1: River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azaro and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. With Baron Wiley. Oh,
2: how nice. Hey, welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. My name is Baron Wiley and uh, why'd you do that? You never
1: well, well, Baron just for just for grins. You were sitting there and I realized you're the guy who makes this thing fly, man.
2: I've been sitting here for 5 years with you. That was the first time you've ever
1: I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, because, I mean, a tech, this, first of all, this used to be my podcast. I did by myself. Then you uh, kind of were going to produce. Then you were going to co-host. Before you know it, I'm going to be opening no, for no, you.
2: No, no, <laughs> If you call in sick, there's no show. So
1: you haven't called in
2: sick this whole time. Can you hear yourself okay?
1: Yes. Yeah, so no, I'm good. Right. I, I've got plenty. plenty right. Good, good, good.
2: As your producer, I want to make sure you sound good.
1: Oh, thank you, Baron. Thank you. You
2: still look good. That helps. <laughs> and you're surrounded by mirrors, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. We need to take a picture. We'll, we'll take a picture of this uh, setup this here, setup. Later, and we'll post it on the Why podcast. is that? that, that are those new? Like, Yeah, relatively new, I guess. It hasn't always. But, but because this is the green room, I think you got to uh, here for Yes, the,
1: green room for artists. For yes, artist. yes yeah. it is green room for artists, and they're getting dressed and checking their hair and what have you. <laughs> you and I avoid the mirror. Yes, <laughs>
2: I'm in the hair department. Thank you very much. Thanks for bringing that up, Pastor Sean. appreciate it. Uh, hey, next week, Pastor Sean, is Thanksgiving. Hard to believe. Oh,
1: man. We just had the wrap-up of our City on a Hill campaign, Uh and the Lord did so much more than we even hoped or imagined, you know, and so we had a huge celebration service, and kind of I told the congregation, look, it's wonderful that we're coming into Thanksgiving. I've got one of our other pastors uh, who's going to be sharing this weekend, wonderful communicator, our youth pastor, Clay Burkholder, and he's going to be just sharing on some unique thoughts on gratitude and on Thanksgiving to prepare us. And I think it's just appropriate. I want to take the next couple of weeks and just be thankful. Awesome. You know, and sometimes we get so driven in, in our pursuits. Okay, we just did this campaign. Now we're going to go and start doing the projects. And no, stop, stop. God just did amazing things for us. Let's pause. Let's slow down. Let's give thanks. Yeah. And that's not just for us as a church who just went through something really cool and God did some amazing things. Well, what about my own life? What about your life? When God does something great that I've prayed for and we just pray, Lord, do we stop and really thank him? Mm. And, and I encourage you, be specific. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm blessed. But, well, how are you blessed? Tell the Lord. Give thanks. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing. It's good for me. It helps yeah. me to remember that I'm not the one who produces all that is around me. Um, that comes from my father. And it acknowledges him. It worships him. Mm. And it keeps my heart light. Yeah.
2: All right. So top three things, Pastor Sean,
1: are you thankful for? Man, well, obviously, my heavenly Father in Jesus Christ the the God who loves me who created me who saved me when you know I sold myself into slavery of sin and my sin nature was broken and destroyed and through Jesus Christ he redeemed me and set me free obviously his spirit fills me I am just uh, immensely grateful for him I am grateful for my wife man yeah I wasn't wise enough as a young man to really know I knew she she was a Christian she loved God and we were similar in our faith and our beliefs. And that was important to me. Very wonderful. She was good looking. That helps. <laughs> no. and, and she could cook. I mean, my gosh, hey. it's the trifecta, right? I, I didn't have the wisdom to realize all that God was giving me. Right. And what a wonderful, wise, uh, strong, determined partner and friend and amazing gift she would be. So I'm grateful mm-hmm. for Lori. She is a wonderful gift. You know, and this seems cliche. Everybody says the same thing, but it's really true for me, okay? Yeah. My, my family. Yeah. I love my kids, Lauren and Ryan, their spouses, Jonathan and Rachel, my, all my grandkids. We, we really enjoy something very special. We're all involved in ministry, and, you know, between River City and Landmark Church, and we all love Jesus, and we love serving together. We love getting together at Thanksgiving and fighting over ministry. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah. Funny. You know, it's 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 just to share that. It's just a neat, neat thing. And of course we got here's there's number four. We got this team around here. I'm so thankful for these people and God's given us a very unique team here and I'm just very grateful for them and you know, that's just that's just a few of the things.
2: Hallelujah. All right. Pastor Sean, I was uh cruising this thing called the Internet. I've heard that. Relevant Magazine's been around for mm-hmm. a long long yep. time. Yep. Uh matter of fact, they were, they got on my radar because they were like one of the first kind of faith-based publications that also talked about the secular stuff. Yes. Kind of a culture magazine yep. and and they would talk about the Christian music, but then they'd also mix in the rock music and the
1: They're definitely from a Christian perspective yeah. and a to to the faith-based reader, but yeah, they they're a little broader.
2: Well, I wanted to share this article with you that they just put out, and I thought this is right up our alley since we like to talk about mm-hmm. the faith and the culture. Uh, it doesn't say who the author is, but the, just the title intrigued me there, Five Things Christians Should Admit About the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was an interesting take. And so for what that's worth, I wanted to kind of throw some of these bullets out at you and see what you thought.
1: Yes. I, and I'll, let me give you just a little bit of an overview. And, and this is the way it often is. I looked at it my first quick cruise. Of it was like, oh, you know, typical pandering, you know, a little bit of slippery slope compromising. And when you dial down, you find, okay, there are some truths. There are truths and there are even good truths in what they're saying in many of these cases. But sometimes it's taken too far. And in light of where our culture is and what, is at stake when it comes to the word of God, there can be some misguided things. So we'll, we'll go step by step and see where we go.
2: Okay, well, here's the number. Here's the first one. It says the Bible isn't a magic book. Mm. <laughs> mm. The Bible mm. isn't the good book. It says it really isn't a book at all. It's a lot of books. It's a library.
1: Well, uh, that's absolutely true. Okay, what What do you mean by it isn't a magic book? Again, that that little headline is a bit salacious. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit, Misleading because the paragraphs after don't really talk about it that much. It is a very special collection of books. But when someone says it isn't a magic book, I believe it is a supernatural book. Supernatural, that I believe it is supernaturally inspired. I believe it is supernaturally protected which is an interesting conversation if you're at all versed in the process of canonization and the questions regarding that. I believe the Holy Spirit not only inspired the Word of God, I believe he protected the Word of God as we have it. And uh, I absolutely believe there is something supernatural and s- deeply spiritual about this collection of books. But he's exactly right. I would say even more, when when you dial down the, the unique aspects of it, It was written by roughly 40 different authors, a whole range of backgrounds over 1,500-some-odd years. Stop and think about this. The authors include Solomon, who's a king, right? Fishermen like Peter. Luke was a doctor. Joshua was a military leader. Matthew's a tax collector. Others who are unknown. We, We don't know who the authors were. Every type of person over centuries, different cultures, and the amazing unity in theme. Right. That's where you look when you read it and go, n- there's no other book. like this. If you've studied other books in antiquity, there's no, been no book that has been as scrutinized and has meticulously translated and then criticized and yet, it has this unbelievable consistency as you look throughout these different countries, different languages, different centuries, different authors, different backgrounds. There's a constant thread of a theme. And that's what you where you see the divinely inspired authorship of God.
2: Amen, amen. I love that, too. I've seen this chart where it points out where Christ is in every
1: book of the Bible. I'll give you an interesting. Okay. They, give, give me an opportunity. Nice setup for an interesting <laughs> Christmas plug. <laughs> Go. Our th- series for this Christmas, our Christmas series is called In the Beginning mm-hmm. A Christmas Story. And we're from some of the Genesis and even into Exodus, some of the very early Old Testament stories. We're going to see Christ. Okay. And it's going to be a great series. You want to come out. That's the month of December at River City. You'll culminate on Christmas Eve. But I'd love to have you come, bring a guest. It's called In the Beginning. A Christmas story. And uh, we're gonna be looking at some of these old old occurrences in the in the old testament and see oh wait a minute. These were all foretelling what Christ would be all about.
2: That's the types and shadows thing yeah. I always hear about. Yeah. Give me your favorite one, Pastor Sean. I'll put you on the spot.
1: No, I will come be on, sharing them for the series.
2: Come on, just one. For the series. Well you just said it in the beginning. It's right there in the first verse. I'm teeing you up for verse two.
1: For the series. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come.
2: Oh man. So after the series is over, can we then talk about it here? Because I
1: dig this stuff. We'll be a new series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're great. How
2: rich. All right. Well, then back to this Bible show. Yes, let's here. get back there. The next point the guy brings up, he says, and again, I don't know who the guy is. Relevant. Yeah,
1: business. Relevant Staff. Relevant Staff. Uh-huh. Is that his first name and last name? Okay, go ahead.
2: The headline is, the Bible isn't as clear as we'd like it to be.
1: You know, and again, this is a reactionary statement. I want to suggest that are there things that are very challenging to understand? Yes, are there things you need to dig and understand the cultural setting, the mm-hmm. the entire thing the, to really get the full nuance? What he's kicking against is the statement that some people make. The Bible clearly says, and and he he's got a point. Mm-hmm. There is a point, and what it, what what it is is, and his point is that we're when we say that we're generally talking about our interpretation. Mm. My interpretation is clearly right. I don't want to swing that pendulum too far. Because he's got a point because you never want to canonize your own interpretations of Scripture, right? Theology is fantastic, but it is, our, it is our study of our interpretation of God and the Scriptures, our knowing God, knowing the Scriptures, interpreting the Scriptures. The Scripture is divinely inspired. It is inerrant. It is God's Word. My interpretation of it, yeah, I don't want to canonize that. Right. My interpretation is my interpretation, and I work very hard at that. I want to understand. I want to dig. I want to research. But know the difference. So when you say that the Bible clearly says, says, well, sometimes that is clear to you, but it may not be clear in the same way to others. I do think there are, but, but I don't want to swing that pendulum so far as to say, well, then we can't understand it. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Just know that the scripture, again, when it's divinely inspired, God is speaking. It's not me. It's not a man. Mm -hmm. And so there are sometimes we say say things like people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Just understand God is bigger than we are. Mm -hmm. When you say, well, God can't be sovereign and we can't have a free will. Yeah, that's just not true. God is sovereign and he gave us a free will. Well, no, one of those is obviously not true. No, if you're talking about man, if you're talking about in our hu- human understanding, but when you talk about the divine, you talk about the un- the eternal creator, the omniscient, holy God of the universe. Yes, it is possible. We need to look at the word of God with a reverence. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We try to bring God down to our level. And so I do agree there's a warning of saying, of canonizing your interpretation, right? but uh, that doesn't mean the Bible can't be known and that it isn't speaking truth clearly and directly to us.
2: Hey, again, in the list is called five things Christians should admit about the Bible. The third one on the list, as you just spoke about it, the Bible was inspired by God, but not dictated by God.
1: Okay, that's why I'm, I'm hating these, the way these headlines, these are enticing, provocative headlines, mm-hmm. okay? The Bible is inspired by God, not dictated by God. I believe that they, they have a point. The, what the scripture says it's inspired and therefore it's profitable for doctrine reproof, correction and righteousness. I really think we need to understand that the Bible is accurate and authoritative and even inerrant in all that it addresses. That's where the real conflict is for some people. This is an area that's under um, real attack today. The inerrancy of scripture understand key phrase, what I just said, it is inspired. It is, authoritative, and inerrant in all it addresses. But there are some things that it doesn't address that we say it does. For example, uh, I use this example often. You know, the scripture talks about the seven days of creation and the, the story of creation in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. What we know, it says God said and there was. Okay, that's the way creation happened. It doesn't tell us anything more about, well, wait a minute, how, how did that happen? What's the spiritual dynamic? What's the metaphysical realities going on? It says what God said, and there was, which I believe is completely accurate, completely true. Mm-hmm. But how that actually happened, not exactly sure. When it talks about on the first day, on this day, well, we, we know in Second Peter we're told a day is as a 1,000 years, a 1,000 years as a day. Um, some people have chosen to look at that and say they believe that those days represent creative time span. Others believe there are seven 24-hour days as we understand them now. I'm not bothered by either of those possibilities. I believe in a literal interpretation of this, but understanding that there are mystical realities. So if it were creative time spans, that doesn't ruin my faith. C- can God do it with his word in 24-hour periods? Yep. Mm. See, if the creative time span theory is just to accommodate and say, well, I need to accommodate what science is saying about the creation of the world, be careful with that. Because science is going to change. Every three years, four years, they're going to have a different theory, a different understanding. That's how discovery works. That's how science is supposed to work. We understand more today than we understood 10 years ago than they understood 100 years before that. So it's supposed to work like that. The truth of Scripture is the same yesterday, today, and, the, and forever, because our Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this idea that God said, and there was. And, and what this, the important point here, and this is where it relates to this idea, it's inerrant and inspired in everything it addresses. The Bible is not a science textbook and doesn't try to be. You, you look in the book of Genesis, the priority of God's just writing is obvious. He spends two Chapters on the creation of the world, 12 chapters on the life of Abraham. Yeah, okay, so his working through Abraham and establishing a people through which redemption would come and that whole thing that shows the priority that God had in the scripture. Doesn't mean that chapters Genesis 1 and 2 aren't true, they just are intentionally very sparse in what they tell us. The whole point, the inerrant operative point, is God said. And there was, I I see no reason not to believe in 24 hour creative time spans other than some people say, well, but the science says that it had to be billions of years. Well, so much of the way secular thought and even science has tried to address things like origins, since there cannot be a divine origin, well, then this must be the answer. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's bad science right at, at the start. Right? Right. You've already cut out actually what, if you really get philosophical and really start thinking about it, what is the most logical answer? Because there is no scientific evidence of anything just appearing from nothing. Right. The idea that there is an a creator, a designer behind this world is far more reasonable and the, I think even supportable. Now, and again, that doesn't mean that some great people who love Jesus and who believe the word of God don't. Look at this and go, "No, I think this could be creative time spans, because I do believe that the Earth has some some of these type of ages, and and I'm fine with that. I don't necessarily think the year, the Earth is only eight to ten thousand years old. I don't believe that, right okay, but again, I don't think the Bible is trying to create a science text here and give you the specifics of what happened metaphysically when God said and then this creation happened. Yeah. The point is God said and there was.
2: Can I be uh, bold and uh, give you my take real quick on that? I would love
1: to hear your take on that.
2: Well, I'm in the first camp that says, you know, it could be thousands of years, could be billions of years. Who knows? He's God. He's eternal, right? But according to our Bible, this whole 24-hour thing is based on that sun rotating around this earth. Right. And according to Genesis chapter 1, the sun and the moon, the two lights in the sky, weren't created until the fourth day. So mm. he measured the time when there was no sun.
1: God knew the time. Well, that's true. He can still, yeah, see, he can look at you. You don't even think God can tell time? What,
2: I think he what, can tell time, but it's us right. basing that on our earth clock.
1: Yes, and, and that is, again understand we're talking about things that we can't even fathom Correct. and and they're putting them into language that we can i get it and so and this idea of the bible is inspired by god not dictated by god i do think it's okay for the holy spirit to work through men's experience men's understanding and how they're defining things how they're describing things mm. but i think that's part of the message
2: Amen, amen. All right, number four, we got to rock and roll here. We all pick and choose the Bible we believe, preach and defend. Mm. More salacious?
1: Yes, yes, again. And to, sadly, it's largely true. <laughs> okay. okay, what we do doesn't mean, though, that the, that there is no authoritative word, okay? Mm-hmm. It is true that we will, and it's just, we're notorious for it. We'll say, oh, the word of God is true, and so therefore I do this, and then we're completely ignoring something we do do or don't do in another area. Yeah, it, It's amazing. So, yes, that is, that is a true statement. And now when you say we all, I wouldn't say we all. I think there are some who really try to obey all the scripture, but the truth is there's probably blind spots where we're saying, man, we love Jesus and we believe the word of God, and that's completely true, and we're blind to the fact that we're living kind of out of sync with his word over in this part of our life or that we're you know, missing this.
2: Pastor Sean, number five here on the big list uh, from relevantmagazine.com is God is bigger than the Bible.
1: Ooh, this is an interesting one. I, It's true, mm-hmm. and yet it's deceptive. And the only net effect of something like this is a slippery slope. There is such a thing, and we talk about it, a Bible worship. Here's the problem. The Word of God is holy, and it is inspired and is pure because of who it comes from. He is the point. We can become scribes and Pharisees real quickly mm. by just being about the text and the law. We can become legalistic. And so we, we can really put the word of God, it can become the point, and we neglect God for the text of the scripture. I, I think that is something that we shouldn't be doing. That is dangerous and deadly. As in the Bible could become an idol? Uh, let me say it this way. The, the text of scripture, the, the law, mm-hmm. so to speak, can become an idol. Mm. But the word of God... And Jesus himself is called the word of God in John chapter one. Right. So I really think it's important that we, we kind of understand the, the scripture. When you say God is bigger than the Bible, here's the problem. Everything I know about God, I know through the scripture and, and, and creation, yeah. right? He uses the illustration. I'm walking past the ocean and it's amazing. And you see it, it's vast, it's incredible. And billions of words have been written about the ocean. I could gather up every one of them, the most beautiful, vivid, accurate description for fishermen, da-da-da-da-da, read every, it would never do that justice. There's simply no way to adequately describe the ocean in words. You have to experience it. I wish more Christians would admit that about the Bible. At its most perfect and inspired, it's a collection of words about the ocean. I, I take exception with that. They're wrong. Technically, it's words from the ocean. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's the problem. God is the ocean. He gave his word. So that there's a difference. This is not the scripture is not just writing about God. And by the way, that's the difference. You want to talk about what we call liberal theology mm-hmm. and what we call orthodox or more conservative theology. Mm. That's the difference. Is the Bible man's discovery of God, man's account of what he thinks God is like, or is the Bible God's inspired word? That's the dividing line. And if you believe it is inspired word, then I have to receive it. I have to obey it. I continually grow to understand it because it is not a book about the ocean. It is a book from the ocean to use his illustration. Wow, that's huge.
2: John, do you have a favorite Bible that you uh, work off of? What's, what do you recommend?
1: Man, there's two. I Well, three. three. Okay, five. Four, five. <laughs> <laughs> um, my blue one. I l- <laughs> oh, nice. I use an ESV. English Standard because it is, again, a more recent but very literal kind of word-for-word word type. I use NIV a lot. I really like the NIV because it's, a, a, it's like idea by idea. And I compare them both closely. They're both very accurate. Good translations again, the original is the Hebrew or the Greek or even the little sections of Aramaic yeah. but those are two my two main The new American standard has been for years the kind of for me the accuracy standard that i I, I always go there if the, if there's if these two translations seem to have maybe some difference, I'll always go to the New American Standard mm-hmm. to kind of look at it and see, because that is a very scholarly, very literal word-for-word translation.
2: Awesome. All right, so now we know what to get you for Christmas. You need more Bibles, right?
1: I'm actually, I have quite a few. <laughs> yeah, <I> but... <laughs> <do you?
2: laughs> well, gotcha. And your advice to us, though, is to stay in the Word. The yeah. One, right?
1: yeah no, and that is the thing, because, again, in that last question, it's so, it's, this is not just stories about God. Mm-hmm. This is Him speaking to us. And read the Word relationally. Always be listening for his voice. Father, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to understand? When, when Here's some questions. When you're reading the word, some, some qu- quick questions to help understand. First, for context, always read that beginning section in your study Bible. If you've got a good study Bible, read the who's it written to, what was their time period, and just get some context. What are we talking to? Who's God talking to, and what would they have understood it to say? That's a very important question. And... Then another set of questions, okay, what is God trying to say to me through this passage? Which may be a little bit different. Like he told them to go to Jerusalem. He might not be telling me to go to Jerusalem right now. Okay? (laughs) They sailed and went to Antioch. Okay, well, maybe I'm not supposed to sail and do that right now. But what is God saying to me? They obeyed and they got up and went right now. Yes. Okay, there's something I know God's saying to me. He wants me to obey right now. Not put it off, not keep thinking about it, not keep talking about it. He wants me to go and move. That may be what you draw God saying to me through this passage of Scripture. Yeah. Okay, that's the example I'm supposed to take. And, and I, so it's what did he say to them? What would they have understood? What is he saying to me? What am I going to do about it? Those are important questions. And then you always pray over the Scripture. But I encourage you, read the Bible every day. Uh, the YouVersion Bible app has amazing ways to do that lots of reading plans uh, they are all they have, they have audio so if, you, if you're like hey I, you know, I have a hard time reading well listen you know you can listen to the word of God and sit and meditate and take some notes and then pray over it and inter- engage with the word because again through that you are engaging with the author of the word
2: I sit on 1604 often. That,
1: yeah, that, <laughs> it's a good that, use of your time.
2: Exactly. You just hit it on your app and it comes right through your speakers and you get the have a little
1: church on the... No, no, no reason not to be in the Word every day. There's so many great tools.
2: Hey, you've been listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. It's uh, brought to you by River City Community Church on Lookout Road. Sunday times are 930 and 1130. Hope to see you there, Pastor Sean. Welcome somebody.
1: Hey, guys. We'd love to have you. You are welcome to River City Community Church. We are a church for real life and we would love to have you join us. We're getting ready now to head into Thanksgiving. We've got a great Christmas series um, that we'd love you to be a part of. So come on by, see us. We'd be blessed and honored to have you. Hey, thanks again for listening. Uh, God bless you. Have an amazing week.